Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Welcome back, and uh, you can pick up on some of those um, conversations a little later as you go through. And so I want to say uh, welcome to you if you've been part of last week or maybe you've been part of one of our morning congregations. Welcome to Advent. It's the second Sunday today of Advent. Advent, a special season really of the church, the church throughout the world, the church throughout history. Four weeks, especially the Sundays of the four weeks, and you know it goes by quickly, doesn't it, as we're up the second week, leading up to Christmas and the time of preparation, or I like to think invitation for us to travel in our own way with the people of the story of Christmas, so we don't just arrive on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or whatever, but towards, and I guess if you're summarizing it, a moment of recognition of God being with us, you know, because that's, I guess, what the Christmas story is all about. And so our focus this year is, is listening to the voices of those who are present at what is a cosmic turning point. We call it the incarnation. Incarnation basically means um, God becoming human. And so some of the voices of the Christmas story we know super well. You know, they're even jingling in our supermarkets, you know, sort of thing as we go because of carols or we sing them on Christmas Eve and they're beautiful and all of that. Some of them um, we've avoided because they're awkward or we can't, can't figure them out. Some of them are just faint and you have to listen especially closely and often we're too busy and we don't perhaps really um, hear them. But there are angels there and kings and queens and, I don't know, seers and priests and peasants and craftsmen and, I don't know, wise men and there are men and there are women and there are children and, and they're all there for a reason. And so starting last week when we looked at John the Baptist, Fran shared on that, right through until Christmas Eve when, like I'm saying, at five and seven, we'll conclude the series um, by also looking at the voices. We're trying to listen out and discover what these voices are saying and discover Jesus for ourselves in the process. And so I, I kind of, if, you, if I can give you a little bit of instruction, is you could sure listen to what I'm saying, but maybe listen to an inner voice. Let's listen to something, well, that's interesting, and feel free at that point just to go with the flow and see if God might say anything to you. So tonight I'm going to be talking about um, Elizabeth and Zachariah. So this morning I was speaking, I spoke on uh, Mary. Um, next week uh, in the morning we're looking at Rachel and Herod. Um, and, the, and at night, we're looking at Simeon and Anna. Um, and so you may have never heard of those, some of those people, or you may have heard of them and know them really well. But if you like during the week, you could have a read, another read maybe if you've read them before, of, of the early chapters of Matthew and the early chapters of Luke, which is they deal with the Christmas story and get acquainted with them from there. And we're doing eight messages in total during this series over these four weeks and Christmas Eve. And so, you know, highly unlikely, almost impossible, because I don't think everybody's been at every message yet. But we have them on podcasts, we have them on Facebook Live, and it's the sort of thing that we can gather with the series, we can gather momentum with the series if we would do that little bit of due diligence. So feel free and invited to do that. So 
Luke uses a considerable amount of kind of editorial symmetry in the first couple of chapters of his gospel. And it's in the form of Luke 1 and 2 goes like this. There's the Annunciation of John the Baptist. Annunciation is basically sort of an angelic, or, you know, kind of a, a, a godly announcement of the, of, the, of the conception of John the Baptist. And then the Annunciation of Jesus, the same thing. The visit of Mary and Elizabeth, which ties the two stories together. And then in, uh, at the end of chapter 1 uh, of Luke, the birth of John the Baptist. And then finally, the whole of chapter 2 is the birth of Jesus. So it's quite a nice story if you see that and you're kind of aware of the process he's doing. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth, with their John the Baptist, make up nearly half of the whole Christmas story in Luke, which was a surprise to me because they're perhaps, well, they're definitely lesser known in lots of ways. Interestingly, though, we know almost as much, actually, about Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, as we do about Mary, the mother of Jesus. We've just had a whole lot more in our folklore or in our, in our stories since then. And we know more, actually, about Zechariah than we ever know about Joseph, who's the father of Jesus. And so it's, an, it's all there, in a sense, but I think probably we'd be hard-placed to be able to recognize either Elizabeth's or Zachariah's voices, if we were just to say, we could probably name something that Mary said or did, or name something even that Joseph said or did. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, a little more challenging. And so we're going to tonight have a look at what they have to say. And I'm going to read quite extensively from Luke chapter 1, and it's an 80-verse chapter. Um, but I think it's important to pay due process, so we'll, we'll break it up along the way, and, and we'll get through, and, and, and hopefully we're going, to, we're going to glean from the voices of these two great characters in the Scriptures. So in Luke chapter 1, reading from verse 5, if you've got Bibles on your phones or something like that, I'm reading in the message, so because we're going to be in there quite a lot, if you've got it in another translation, it might be a little hard to access as I'm reading it. But from verse 5 in Luke chapter 1, during the rule of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest assigned in the regiment of Abijah. His name was Zechariah. Here's our guy. His wife was descended from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. So welcome to the people that we're going to be talking about tonight. And it says, together they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. But they were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive and now they were quite old. So there they have this broken heart and this difficulty. Verse 8, it so happened that as Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment, he came it came his one turn in life to enter into the sanctuary of God and burn incense. So let me just sort of take a break away from it and just kind of paint you a bit of the picture. So what would happen in Jerusalem is that the priests from the line, right back from the line of Aaron, would go into the temple morning and night and they would burn incense um, and make sacrifices. And so this was Exodus 30 still happening in the time of Jesus. They're really the only New Testament time that you see the Old Testament um, law in that sense and the sacrifices in that sense happening. And so Zechariah's from the Aaronic line and he's performing his duties this day in the holy place or the court of the priests. Um, And in this place, there's the altar of incense there's the um, table of showbread and the golden lampstand. Now, you have to go quite deep into sort of Leviticus and Exodus and stuff to find those places, but it's, it's an interesting 
trail to map nevertheless because it brings us into the present and connects Jesus with the old and coming into the new. And so what they would do is they had these things called censers, which are kind of like bowls, and they would burn the spices and coals outside and they were in, 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 in different censers. And then the, the priest and two assistants would take them into the temple. And when they were in the temple, they would be mixed together and this aroma would come up. And the aroma, representative of many things, but representative of the prayers of God to the people, mixed with the sacrifices of the lamb. And the priest alone, Zechariah, in this case, would make that presentation to God. And so all of this is happening as it's happened for millennia or as it's happened right from the beginning. And somewhere as we go back to Luke chapter 1, verse 2, unannounced, an angel of God appears just to the right of the altar of incense and Zechariah is paralyzed in fear, paralyzed in fear. This is a, um, a, a, um, a reasonably famous painting um, by a guy called um, Stanley Spencer, and so just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what's happening here. So this is Zechariah here, and this is the coals that he is, and incense that he is beginning to work with. And this is a representation of the temple, and this is the angel here. I'm not sure who this is, but we think it may be Mary, but this is Elizabeth, so they're outside the temple walls. And this, I mean, it's an interesting picture because this is a representation of Zechariah and Elizabeth going off after the, um, after the announcement that's taken place. And over here, amazingly, wonderfully, you have um, Jesus who is sort of harvesting this ivy, and the ivy is representative of or symbolic of resurrection and of eternal life. So there's quite a lot going on there in that painting by Spencer. And so we can begin to kind of connect with something that's happening here along the way. So moving on in verse 12, but the angel reassured him. Don't fear, Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. And so we go, we go to icons a little bit here. And obviously this is a, um, an old icon. It's been a little bit defaced. But this is um, Zechariah and Elizabeth on the left-hand side in a, in a kind of a beautiful, really romantic moment um, because, um, uh, you know, kind of rep- representation, I guess, of their relationship and the ongoing, and kind of awkwardly in a sense, because nobody ever wants to be in a photo with their mother kissing or something. There's John the Baptist, kind of obviously, kind of we're, we're dividing time a little bit here. And he's there. You can't see that it's awkward, but it's like he has a big long beard, but I think that's actually just it was chipped out of the wall along the way. But nevertheless, it's kind of a great sort of sense of, of this thing that's taking place here. It goes on, it says, Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son by you. You're to name him John. That's important. You're going to leap like a gazelle for joy, and not only you, many will delight in his birth. He'll achieve great stature with God. He'll drink neither wine nor beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment he leaves his mother's womb. He will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. He will herald God's arrival in style and strength of Elijah, soften the hearts of parents to children, and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He'll get the people ready for God. And so a little bit of an explanation of what's taking place here. God is uh, the choreographer of something incredible that's taking place here. He, He choreographs this unique moment to bring together the prayers of the nation, the prayers of, for the world in a sense, that, that in a way we're doing in our own way today as, John, as um, Zechariah goes into the temple. And he also um, connects it with this heartbroken prayer of a man 
who is old, along with his wife, who has been unable to have an heir, a child, um, and and all of the, the heartbreak that goes with that. And so Zechariah's son, John the Baptist, we're going to find is going to be the answer to both of the prayers, the prayers for the world and also the prayer for Zechariah and Elizabeth, which is rather wonderful. So Zechariah, verse 18, if you're following me through, said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman, which is not surprising. We've prayed this thing. It's like if it was ever going to happen, it would have happened 10 years ago. But do you expect me to believe this? But the angel said, I'm Gabriel. I think he had a stern voice at this point. I'm Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time, God's time. And I'll just skip a couple of verses to 23. When the course of the priestly assignment was completed, he went back home. Zechariah, it wasn't long before his wife Elizabeth conceived. She went off by herself for five months, relishing her pregnancy. So this is how God acts to remedy my unfortunate condition, she said. So we're about halfway through those scriptures now. And then what happens is Mary has her annunciation um, encounter with the angel Gabriel, same angel. And Mary discovers that she is going to have a baby. It's six months after her cousin Elizabeth, um, and there's this wonderful sort of relationship. And then in verse 39, Mary gets up and travels into the hill country, and she meets up with Elizabeth. Um, And John the Baptist, the baby, leaps in Elizabeth's womb, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we're listening to the voice of Elizabeth, this is what she says. She says to Mary, you're so blessed among women. And the babe in your womb, also blessed. And why am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord visits me? The moment the sound of your greeting entered my ears, the babe in my womb skipped like a lamb for sheer joy. Blessed woman who believed what God said, believed every word would come true. It's an amazing um, thing. And the first thing I I, I kind of thought of as I I was reading this is, what an amazing sense of, I don't know, almost submission and willingness to play second fiddle Elizabeth shows. I mean, she was the older cousin. Um, I guess in the context of the time, she may well have helped raise Mary because they're cousins. I mean, we don't know that. But sort of here, she's got this great news of her son, who's John the Baptist. But here's Mary, who's, who's, who's going to have, you know, kind of the savior of the world. And she sees that and she celebrates that. And I, I can't help but thinking what, a, what an amazing woman Elizabeth is then. And then Mary goes in, sort of the Holy Spirit comes on her. And there's this great um, uh, poem or hymn or uh, statement of Mary that we often call the Magnificat. You know, kind of my soul magnifies the Lord. Magnificat is magnify. And so Mary says the longest um, uh, continuous uh, speech by a woman in the entire scripture. And I, I looked at that quite a lot this morning, so you might like to look at it or listen to it on the podcast. And that's kind of important and, and, and essential. And we get through to verse 57. When Elizabeth was full term in her pregnancy, she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives, seeing that God had overwhelmed her with mercy, celebrated with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and were calling him Zechariah after his father. But his mother intervened, no, he is to be called John. But they said, no one in your family is named that. 
They used sign language to ask Zechariah what he wanted him named. Asking for a tablet, Zechariah wrote, his name is John. Love this one. This is um, John out of picture handing in the scroll or the tablet, sort of saying his name is John. They took everyone by surprise. Surprise followed surprise. Zechariah's mouth was now open, his tongue loose, and he was talking, praising God. So what's happening here is John's father is saying, no, his name is going to be John, whereas all tradition would say, no, his name is going to be Zechariah. And the idea behind that was if he took the name Zechariah, he would follow in his father's footsteps right back from the Aaronic line, right back from Aaron um, and Moses, you know, kind of at the time of the Exodus. And so you have the sense of it's the breaking of that line because John the Baptist isn't going to be a priest in the temple. He's going to be a prophet coming out of the wilderness to be the forerunner of Jesus to announce, you know, kind of prepare ye the way for the Lord. And so right at the beginning, we have the voice of Zechariah speaking of what's going to be and setting up this thing for what's ahead of them. And as he says this, a deep reverential fear settled over the neighborhood. And in all that Judean hill country, people talked about nothing else. Everyone who heard about it took it to heart. What will become of this child? Clearly God has his hand in this. And then Zechariah gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And remember, this is half our Christmas story, which we often just glitz over, you know, kind of to find the manger. And he prophesies this. And this is the prophecy of Zechariah, which I'm not going to go into tonight, but I feel like, you know, kind of to honor the Scriptures and to honor the voices of the past, we should read it uh, in its full. And it says this, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He came and set His people free, set the power of salvation in the center of our lives and in the very house of David, His servant, just as He promised long ago through the preaching of His holy prophets, deliverance from our enemies and every faithful hand. Mercy to our fathers as He remembers to do what He said He'd do, that He swore to our father Abraham a clean rescue from the enemy camp so we can worship Him without a care in the world, made holy before Him as long as we live. And you, my child, prophet of the highest. I mean, imagine kind of looking down at your baby and prophesying this over him. Will go ahead of the master to prepare his ways, present the offer of salvation to his people, the forgiveness of their sins through the heartfelt mercies of our God. God's sunrise will break in upon us, shining on those in the darkness, those sitting in the shadow of death, then showing us the way one foot at a time, down the path of peace. And he speaks it to us tonight. You know, kind of those in the darkness, you know, Karen, those in, in, in areas that we're struggling, you know, he speaks it over us that this is going to be different, that this arrival is going to change things for us forever. And we get to imbibe, we, bet, we get to partake, we get to um, be part of the things that John is doing. And it just finishes the last verse of chapter one is that, the child grew up healthy and spirited. He lived out in the desert until the day he made his prophetic debut in Israel. John the Baptist comes out of the, the wilderness and wearing, wearing um, furs and, and eating bees and honey and all of those sorts of things. A terrifying sight, I suspect, but saying, prepare the way of the Lord. So the voices of Elizabeth and Zechariah. So sometimes it's Zechariah, sometimes it's Zechariah, sometimes it's Zechariah. So I just, I've used Zechariah tonight because that's what the, living Bi uh, the Message Bible says. But I've been thinking about these voices and what they might mean for us. I mean, we've got to take something out of them that kind of takes us away. And there's a few things that I just want to share really briefly and then 
lead us into a time of communion, of kind of embracing, I guess, all of those things that the voices might represent and taking us from there. And so the first thing that it occurs to me is it, it, it speaks to us of the voice of community. Isn't that a, a beautiful rendition of um, Elizabeth and um, Mary coming together in the, the, the hill, you know, kind of in the hills as they celebrate these, this amazing thing that's happened? But here you've got, you've got two cousins, right? You got, they're, they're both pregnant. They're both having received a message from God that's been delivered by the same angel relating to their babies. I mean, these are unprecedented times. There's a, there's a word for the, I mean, these are really unprecedented times, aren't they? And God, you know, wonderfully, I think, doesn't leave Mary alone. Mary's 13, 14, 15 years old in, in, a, in a daze, perhaps, you know, as much as she's been responsive to what God's doing. But her older cousin is walk, walking in the same sorts of shoes. And, and just as much, God doesn't leave Elizabeth alone in her rather old age, but she has her cousin Mary to be with her. And in Elizabeth's house, I'm not actually sure if he was there because she'd gone away, but even if he is there, Zachariah has been struck dumb. He's not able to speak, which is really fascinating because these two women, both expecting children in God-ordained circumstances, are free to to talk and reflect and rejoice and savor and to fret and, and to ponder together without the you know, kind of the patriarchal nature of having the man of the house around and, you know, kind of with a little bit of knowledge and understanding of the background is sort of a very male-dominated era in society. And so God wonderfully, I think, puts these two women together to ponder the great things of God. God is definitely changing things. So this year as a church, our theme's been Connections. Um, I don't know if you can remember back to the beginning of the year. I can't think we all have a little bit. Of, we've got a little bit, a few hills and territory, and the graph went a few different ways, didn't it, during the year? But back in February, after every service, we ate together because we said connection was going to be everything. And then on the 8th of March, we had our 30th birthday celebration, which you might remember because it's sort of it's a one-off and there were donuts and stuff like that. And then we went to camp out which you might remember if you were there. And on the 15th of March, we stood around and we said, this COVID thing sounds a little bit serious. I wonder what might happen. And by the 22nd of March, we were gone for 13 weeks or something like that. And it was like connections were important when we were together. They were even more important when we were apart. And then there was no COVID anymore. And then there was more COVID. And now we're blessed to be, you know, kind of, I think it was in the UK, there's no indoor worship allowed to happen in the UK under their new lockdown. It's like we just wouldn't be together here if it was in that sort of situation, yet we're able to come. And it's worth kind of thinking about those things. But connection is really important, and it stood us in good stead. I I just do not think we do this as well alone as we can do, as we're invited to do, when we somehow do it together. And I think it's a beautiful picture of being together, of community is important. I think we see in this the voice of a lifetime, and I love this. This is um, an icon of a of a, an old, and obviously they were old, Zechariah and um, Elizabeth, and and a kind of a, a hairy, wild John the Baptist, which I kind of really love. Kind of they're, they're setting him up even as a baby to kind of do those sort of. Or not, he's not a baby, but a, as a little child, I think. But I like this whole thought of you're never too old, you're never too young. And there's this sense of age and this sense of, of youth that's in this thing. You've got an old mother and a young mother. You've got Elizabeth and Mary. And together they're going to make some profound theological and countercultural statements, prophetic statements and actions that's going to happen. 
And so this old elderly couple with no experience with kids get John the Baptist, who's going to be the forerunner of Jesus. And this young, you know, kind of teenager, you know, kind of barely into childbearing, um, you know, ability within her body is all of a sudden carrying the Savior of the world. And God seems to be able to use sort of, you know, kind of if you've got someone who's past being able to even have a child, someone who's not even really up to having a child, and everything in between. And it just feels like the voice is one of encouragement, that it's a voice of a lifetime. And, you know, we don't have a whole lot of old people apart from me who are here, so maybe I'll talk to myself for a while. It's like you're never too old, but we have quite a lot of young people or you look young to me, and so you're never too young. And it's like there's this sort of invitation of God to be connected for a lifetime, not just, you know, kind of when you're an enthusiastic teen or youth or when you're, you know, kind of in this stage of life or that stage of life, but to be discovering and, and, and following the voice and the invitation of God. It seems like a beautiful thing. And then, as I say, is the, the voice of invitation. The voice of invitation is given to us. This is another icon of old, old, old Zechariah, um, young John, or youngish John, older John. Um, famously, Augustine, one of my great quotes of church history, favorite quotes of church history, said, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. And it's like the story that we're reading that's unfolding in Luke chapter 1 and 2 is showing the truth of what Augustine is saying in the fourth century. And it's like, you know, there may well be times when God does something absolutely supernatural, but it is absolutely um, rare. And normally, it seems like he does, he enters into uh, connection, community, partnership, we might even be bold enough to say with you and me. It says, why don't you give it a shot? Why don't you do something? There's an invitation of God, which is a wonderful thing. And Elizabeth and Zechariah are models of this, uh, 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 those who, you know, kind of are invited towards this. And I think it's just this incredible thing. And it's like you might listen even tonight to the voice of God's invitation through the inspiration of the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And then finally, and I, I love this, is the voice of faith and faithfulness. I love that scripture. I'm drawn to that scripture of, as, as in all of their disappointment, Elizabeth and Zechariah, in all of their, you know, fr- I don't know, the prayers that seem unanswered, it says, together they lived honorably before God, keeping and careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. I, I don't know what a clear conscience before God is, but isn't it an incredible invitation, that voice of the scriptures that tells us about this amazing couple, that we would live in such a way that we have a a clear conscience before God in the things of God. And I I don't know whether the answer to their prayer is connected with the clear conscience, because it's not like God's sort of partial and, you know, kind of, you know, um, leaves you out and, and punish you in that sense and all of that. But that does seem like an invitation in their voices for us to to live in such a way that, that we're able to look Jesus in the face, we're able to listen to the voice of what Jesus might say and to live with that clear conscience. And so I thought, you know, kind of wouldn't it be a good thing just to, just to ponder for a few moments and think about this voice of community. Is there, a, is there an echo for you? Is there an invitation for you in that? Or the voice of a lifetime, you know, kind of to, you know, was there something that, you know, kind of really attracted you years ago and maybe you're not kind of there anymore or maybe you're waiting until you get over this part of your life or something, but this voice of a lifetime 
invitation of God, the voice of invitation, you know, for us to be involved in God's uh, work and way and the voice of faith and faithfulness. Those are the voices that I've listened to from Zachariah and Elizabeth this week. And you may well hear some others if you just um, incline your ear towards Luke chapter 1. And and I invite you to do so indeed. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.